the challenge for security professionals is safety and security being the number one priority has really changed. And it's now health and safety followed by security. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats. From severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Kevin Dooley, who is the Senior Director of Security and Transportation for the San Diego Padres and previously led security for the Atlanta Hawks and San Antonio Spurs. If you need to keep a facility safe, this is absolutely a man you want in your corner. So, Kevin, thank you for joining me today. How are you in these strange COVID times? No complaints. It's been a crazy year, and we're looking forward for some some downtime with family to reflect on uh, the accomplishments and uh, things that have come throughout this challenging year as we're uh, starting to reflect and beginning to prepare for 2021. I hear that, and I'm absolutely with you. Um, I'm really excited for our topic today, which is to talk about how companies can improve their facility security. But uh, before we begin, just to set the context, can you give our listeners just a little bit more of a background about you and what you've done in the past and then your role at the Padres specifically? I started my career in Charlotte with the uh, Charlotte Bobcats at the time and uh, got hired as a part-time event security officer and ended up grabbing two other part-time jobs to kind of just make it to where I could begin gaining experience and having opportunities to be in the facility. And, and long story short, um, during that time period of about a year and a half, uh, my manager and director who were, were at the property that I was at ended up leaving for a new adventure. And I uh, gave me the opportunity to take on their role as a manager of event security. So I spent about eight, eight and a half years as the event security manager for the Charlotte Bobcats and at the time, Time Warner Cable Arena, uh, before transitioning out to San Antonio. I made the move there when we brought all of our event security in-house and, and came out as our event security manager and later grew uh, into a department head that was a, a senior manager of security and parking that oversaw all of our, our parking and security operations before leaving for Atlanta, where I took on a similar role uh, with the Atlanta Hawks while launching a lot of their renovation projects and uh, bringing security in-house. And that's ultimately got me to where I'm at today is the Senior Director of Security and Transportation for uh, the San Diego Padres, where I oversee all elements of security to include um, our event security, which is uh, partnering with anything from a Padres game to our, our small and large events that we do that are non-baseball, uh, overseeing our, our 24-7 security uh, access control systems and incident management systems, and then ultimately, uh, reviewing, preparing, and, and finalizing all of our emergency preparedness uh, procedures and, and policies. Wow. Okay. So a lot of experience then. That's amazing. Today, let's focus on on security in, in the places where you work. And throughout your career, you have been responsible for security and, I mean, huge sports arenas and stadiums and things like that. So what are some of the unique challenges you face while working to keep players, employees, and the general public safe. It's an interesting uh, task. The interesting thing about security within the sports and entertainment industry is uh, that each facility that we have is, is set up to execute similar deliverables. Um, however, each of us have a different recipe of how we get there. Uh, in each place you go, the structures are different. The staffing levels are going to be different from facility to facility, whether that's uh, a large NFL stadium that has 80,000 plus or going down 
to an arena that's anywhere from from ten to twenty thousand, depending on the type of of sport and activity that's coming out. And then uh, from property to property, whether your staffing is is in house um, versus being a contracted group, and and then using just multiple types of technology. I think that's the neat thing about our industry is there really is no wrong answer for the resources you use. There's so many different CCTV systems, so many different access control systems, and ultimately. It's about finding the one uh, that, that ends up meeting your needs and, and that you feel comfortable with. Um, for me, I think some of the challenges that arise um, across the board, regardless of the size of facility of where we're at, is uh, getting your team into place. Uh, I think so many times uh, it can be challenging because we're dealing with frontline staff members. And in doing it, you have to find ways to maintain the highest level of staff and ultimately get people that buy into the mission that you're at. And that can be a challenge from a sports side from the standpoint, uh, there's just so many positions that need to get filled. If we're talking um, a baseball game, the sold out full fans, we're having upwards of, of 275, 300 employees possibly coming in. So having that many different people that you have to get in line with the same mission, I think becomes definitely a challenge as well as on our our frontline facility position. So for me, it's all about uh, setting forth team building activities, uh, making sure that you have the right team members on the bus. And ultimately, once you've, you've identified who it is you want as a part of your team, uh, that you're getting them into those right seats, providing training and having collaboration with all your departments. So I think the interesting piece about security is from our finance, from our human resources, uh, to those other departments uh, been operations that we deal with on a daily basis. Uh, security has a touch point with every department throughout an organization. So finding ways that each uh, department views us as an asset and a resource, I think, is a challenge that we have to take on to where people feel comfortable uh, and safe uh, by the resources that you provide. And then for me, always uh, striving to achieve greatness. I think uh, at any pro sports team you go to, when you talk to someone in my line, they always say, hey, our goal this year is to be the, the best in NBA security, MLB, NFL, wherever you're at. And then ultimately, then take that to another level to be the best in the industry. And in ways in doing that is just maintaining procedures and, and finding different ways that, that you can go above and beyond. Things that um, you're not just doing because it's a procedure to do, but uh, you feel passionate about doing it and then taking it to the next level. Um, for us, we utilize a lot of different technology resources, as you mentioned. Uh, we utilize our, our ISS system, which is uh, now known as 24-7 software, is one we probably utilize the most here on property, and that's our incident management system. So that's been a great tool to whether we're on event or uh, facility side, uh, we're able to track all of our incidents and uh, make requests and things uh, out of that system. And then ultimately utilizing uh, resources and, and technology from our local and federal team members and uh, making it to where uh, in the event that you, you do have to, to respond to an incident or an issue, uh, but it truly is a, a team response and that everyone is uh, on the same page. How important is tech in your overall you know, plan that you have? It seems like because you deal with so many different situations and every game day is different to every type of event is a little bit different as far as number of people showing up. Um, are you guys tech forward or are you a little bit tech averse and you wait to see what works? Tell me more about that. No, for sure. I think we're definitely tech forward. I think we're living in a day and age to where uh, everyone has a phone with them at all times. Everybody's used to using 
uh, some form of, of, of technology. So you have to embrace technology. But I think one thing uh, that I've uh, really applied in a book that I've read, Good to Great, uh, technology really needs to be an accelerator. It doesn't need to be your reason for change. It doesn't need to be that, the, hey, we've got this broken piece within our operation. Let's go buy a new piece of technology and throw it at it. To me, your technology should mirror the operational procedures that your staff is doing and becoming something that truly can become a resource uh, for the frontline internal team members, if you will, that are actually utilizing that piece of technology, as well as uh, for our external stakeholders, which could be uh, members of other departments that are benefiting from that piece of technology. Um, for example, on a camera system, being able to launch analytical capabilities. Uh, that gives you the ability of being able to see intruders before uh, they do something bad. It allows you to possibly uh, prevent things before they occur. So I think you have to embrace it when doing it. I think it has to go back to the people factor first of ultimately it should be married around procedures and, and operating responses that we currently have in place. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I mean, I just mentioned this earlier, but you're used to overseeing a lot of large, very stressful events and high capacity facilities that are no one's there for a week. And then all of a sudden game day, it just, it's a huge amount of people come in, but what advice in general can you share that applies to those that are leading security teams for maybe smaller buildings that are more static in nature uh, with maybe just a few hundred employees? Oh, definitely. I, th I think it goes back to finding what works for you. Uh, regardless to the size, we all uh, have common goals and everyone has a common mission. And, and for me, if it were a smaller facility, um, find those technology measures that, that make sense for your world and, and really uh, excel at that craft and make sure you're using it to its fullest extent. I think, uh, for example, I mentioned a second ago, our ISS system, that was a product that we previously weren't utilizing it to its full capabilities. And as we've started uh, continuing over the last 10 months to continue to build and, and reconstruct that, uh, that, that tool that we have, uh, we found ways that it, that it can greater use and, and greater benefit us. So I would say um, first get your procedures and your people processes in place. And then once that's done, find uh, the technology that makes sense and find ways that it makes uh, life easier for you and makes uh, more uh, positive resources to your day-to-day -day, uh, environment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one piece of tech that's clearly near and dear to my heart being at Alert Media is communication tech. So how important is communication across your team to coordinate any kind of security out there and mitigate risks associated with it? I think communication is key. And we're in a, a society to where we all have to work together in a teamwork environment. I think being in sports and entertainment, uh, we're always able to use the parallel of you have your coach, you have your players, and everybody's got a different job and you're all working to get uh, to that common goal. So for me, uh, that's where communication starts. And it first has to start um, within uh, your leadership team and, and everybody getting uh, a desire of what that direction is and then pushing it outward. And in doing it, you want to be someone that is is staying connected and, and providing that information to other team members to where they're not surprised uh, when something happens because they kind of knew about it in advance. And then from there, uh, just being able to properly communicate. Do staff actually know how to, to utilize the radios beyond just pushing the button to talk, but how to talk in a clear and concise manner and to deliver messages to where uh, it's understandable on the radio. Coming further, whether it's email, whether it's text messages, whether it's going uh, the extra step in an emergency management type situation uh, and having alert media, uh, what are the tools that you're having? And are you using that tool to its fullest capability? And so I would say in alert media, are you using it just for uh, emergency notifications? Or are you keeping the staff uh, familiar with it by doing surveys and other tools 
that make it a touch point that can happen daily uh, to where when you truly need it, people know uh, what the resource is and, and how to utilize it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It seems like practice is huge because if people aren't familiar with something, then when they actually need to use it, especially in an emergency when they're not thinking clearly, it's not going to go over very well. But then number two, what you said is communication is vital. I mean, things there's confusion, especially when there's a security incident. And like you said, teach people how to communicate very clearly, short words, be calm about it, and you're going to have a much better experience and outcome. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of the athletes that are listening, or at least just sports enthusiasts, know how impactful any kind of off-season training is that you can do on on-season performance. So with that in mind, how do you guys prepare during the off-season to make sure your team and your facility is ready to successfully implement security procedures when the time comes? No, definitely. For me, um, I've always approached uh, the all-season, at least from the NBA side in the majority of my career, as the summer months. And you just get so inundated in events as we start our, our schedule. And you're just so busy in the here and now that it's hard to uh, do additional projects. It's hard to perfect things because you're so focused on the task that's at hand. Um, so one thing that I've done is once you get to those summer months throughout the year, I've always just taken notes on, all right, what are the new things that we need to work on? What are the new projects that, that we need to do? And for me, it's really come a lot with it, the past uh, three organizations I've been to. Uh, we've been very big on developing smart goals. And by laying out what that specific goal is and then finding out if it's measurable, if it's attainable, if it's relevant, if it's task driven, uh, you're able to take one uh, generic overarching goal, if you will, and come up with a lot of different measurable items uh, that you want to do over a calendar year. So for me, it's about first getting that goal right and making it to where, regardless to whether you have three members of your team or whether you have 20 members, everybody shares a piece of that pie and has a responsibility uh, to ultimately bridge in and achieve the, the department master goal, if you will. And, and then finding ways to track that. So for me, it's about uh, laying out what those uh, plans are and then following through with them. I think that's been one um, silver lining, if you will, we've taken out of, of the pandemic is that our summer projects really never stopped. We mm. came into a posture to where the season ended. We began getting ready for the next season and things stopped for us right as the season was going to begin. And we ended up realizing really quickly, we're going to have a two to three month period at minimum to where we're not executing events and we're going to have a lot of downtime. And then what do you do with that time? So for us, it was a moment and an opportunity to completely uh, re-stand up new technologies uh, and, and processes. I mentioned our uh, 24-7 software uh, incident management system that we utilized. Uh, we had identified that that was something that we needed to, to spend some time reconstructing, if you will, making sure our sections, our locations were built properly and that we had everything plugged in to talk to each other to where it was a, a meaningful incident management system, we knew we didn't have time to launch it before the beginning of the season. But when we got given an additional 60 days, we felt like it was a time period we could take that task on. Yeah, taking advantage of downtime, I think is super important just because it allows you to hit the ground running when when things get back to normal. But you said something interesting earlier that COVID-19 and the extended downtime you had, but I know that there are events that are going on. So how has that impacted the way that your team I guess, arranges security for your facilities when, when you have like nobody in the stands, but you still have a game going on or very few people there. Like what's been the difference? It is different and it's presented new challenges and things that we're not used to. I think a lot of times we get so used to just doing the same things that it becomes rudimentary. But what we found here is, is that 
we now have to put a lot more effort into something that's a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. I've talked to uh, fellow peers throughout the industry that are, are launching some NFL games, and some of them are ranging anywhere from five to ten thousand fans coming in now. And they said, "Hey, we're working harder for five to ten thousand people mm-hmm. than we were for a sellout with all these additional activation pieces that are not in place right now. We're more just trying to find a way to get you in, get you to your seat, and make sure you get out safely." Uh, so for me, the way I've approached it, ultimately, I feel our mission is still the same. But the challenge for security professionals is in safety and security being the number one priority has really changed. And it's now health and safety followed by security. And there's things that uh, we're now integrating into some of our plans and procedures that we may not have done in the past. Temperature screening, for example, that's not something that we would have done. But now we're having to strategically figure out, all right, during this process, when does the temperature screening happen in comparison to our credential scan, in comparison to ultimately security screening, whether that be going through a full metal detector, a hand wand, or, or whatever that looks like. So for me, it's, it's, that's changed, but we have to change with it. At the end of the day, uh, we're still executing our procedures. We're still monitoring our life safety equipments. Uh, we're still protecting our assets. Um, I think that's one thing that I've learned over the last nine months is you don't have to really uh, have a cognizant thought of, of what is important to your people and what are they going through? Because uh, you don't know what challenges they're having uh, at home with possibly um, a, a sick family member having some type of health scare. I think throughout the country, this has brought a fear of stability uh, within the workforce to where those are real thoughts that are weighing on people. We're living in a time of uncertainty. And then ultimately, we're having to to balance in all these various social factors. So it's Finding ways to stay busy um, is finding ways to, to make sure we're providing, number one, health and safety, uh, number two, safety and security, and then third, uh, that we're, we're uh, providing a positive guest experience for our fans. And I think that's become such an interesting challenge, at least within the sports entertainment world, because we've almost flipped that. You always had guest experience and security as a very close 1-1-A, and now the, the pyramid's changed a little bit. We, we've kind of flipped upside down. Uh, this has been definitely a challenging year for us because on, on top of that uh, change of procedures, it's just the change of what's going on in the world. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about what you just said is that a lot of people realize that when things change like COVID-19 or different regulations you have to follow for security and health and things like that, that it's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's easy to focus on the the front-facing stuff that you have to do, the changes in procedure and stuff like that. But what a lot of organizations forget about is the impact to their staff, like you said, and they just ignore that part. And they just assume that the team's just, yep, we're on board and we can do that. And COVID-19 has shown that that's just been thrown in its face. It's it, you, People can't maybe even can't come to work because either they're sick or their family's sick. So that seems like something that companies can oftentimes get wrong is they don't think about the impact to their staff to adapt to these new changes. So when you think about that in a more broader sense, like what else do people get wrong when it comes to facility security that you've seen in your experience over the years? For me, uh, where people get it wrong is, is figuring out, do I get from good to great? I think so many times um, you find ourselves being complacent and, and just being good. And at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with being a good. Um, if you're doing something on a scale of one to five and three is meeting all the expectations, good is good. But ultimately, I think we fall short by um, are we willing to change? Are we willing to be vulnerable and, and open to that change and have the ability uh, to get to great? And in doing it, uh, many times that's going to uh, require the status quo to be changed. We're going to have to conduct uh, cultural assessments of our team, of ourselves, 360 assessments, risk assessments, uh, and that allows us to identify processes, procedures, and various pieces of technology that we can either be open with and say, all right, is what we're doing working right now? 
Or maybe should we look at going in a different direction? Yeah. And it seems like to get from good to great, it's got to be a real strong cultural thing. So what are some of the ways that companies can focus on creating a, a really strong safety culture where all employees take part in the security of the facility? Uh, for me, I think a lot of times uh, you, you'll hear feedback from security officers of, hey, we don't feel a part of the organization. We don't feel a part of, of the front office staff. We almost feel like a, a contracted group. And figuring out how do we get that team in place uh, to really feel like they're in the right spot. Ingraining members of our front office team into our security operation, I think, is key. And then the other, I think we've all heard the phrase from from built off of uh, Department of Homeland Security of, if you see something, say something, building that into our training platforms to where people truly see if something is wrong that they need to notify security. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because otherwise people view security as like, oh, <laughs> they're watching me. <laughs> And if instead it's like it's a colleague that's sure. you know, looking to take care of me in the facility, then I'm much more likely to reach out, ask for help, report something when I see it. Um, otherwise, it's like, uh, I don't want to mess with those scary security guys. So sure. no, very good point. Interesting. Well, it, it, as you look back on your career, uh, or even just in, the, in recent weeks or, or months, has there been any kind of memorable incident or crisis that has strengthened your overall team's safety culture or revealed opportunities for improvement that you've really learned from? No, for sure. And for me, when I hear crisis, I, th I think we always go to the catastrophe incident. And I think in the spirit of this question, like it doesn't have to be a, a major crisis. I think we should always be in a position where we're, we're reviewing events, we're reviewing incidents and coming up with things that are maybe a, were a challenge or were noteworthy within our organization that we need to change. And in doing it, I, th I think you have to have a, a desire to conduct some type of after actions reviews, whether that's a formalized process where a whole group is getting together or whether it's a process to where it's just, hey, the security management team gets together and let's talk about how we may have done something differently or conducted modifications. I think my time in Atlanta uh, was when we'd done that the best. Like we had our full organization uh, stand up an after actions committee and uh, biweekly we would meet and we would go over um, the events from those previous two weeks and each uh, team member or each department, excuse me, could only bring uh, three takeaway items that you wanted to provide some level of action to. So it provided you have to pick your priority. It provided you have to pick what's the most meaningful impact to your team members. And that happened uh, by having those meetings before and doing it. We got it on paper and we assigned tasks and, and had people uh, figure out what they were going to do to resolve it. For me, we had an unlawful entry uh, that, that definitely comes to mind uh, back in the middle of the year. Uh, and it kind of happened in an area to where, uh, as we mentioned with COVID, some of our, our staffing levels uh, were, were a little lower just due to what was going on. And on that specific day, uh, we found that a lot of things weren't locked up the way that they should be. Uh, we also found, uh, not, I won't necessarily say found, but really were able to point out hey, some spots where we have gaps in our coverage these are things that we need to propose to get to. So through going through that incident, uh, fortunately, we were able to, to mitigate it to where uh, no major harm was done and, and anything uh, major, if you will, went wrong. But for us, we approached it from a what if scenario. What if it would have been a catastrophe? What if something would have went wrong? How will we propose it? And that's ultimately been the basis of a lot of things we're building in our operating and, and capital budget line items uh, of ways to, to improve um, our philosophy. Yeah. No, post-mortem is huge. And I think that's a, a big piece that a lot of organizations miss is they say, Woo, we got through that. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. But if you really sit back and, and non-judgmentally just question, did we do it right? What if something went worse? Like, 
how can we make this better? And it's, it's like I tell my kids all the time. It's not the stuff you study for that you'll remember when you take a test. It's when you get it back and you miss something and you go figure out why you missed it and what you did wrong. You'll never forget that. So postmortem is huge. It goes a long way in the learning process and in the improvement process. Well, I, I love to close by asking a final question, and it's basically to give our audience something they can take away with them that they can basically immediately go and make an impact with on the organization. And you've given a lot of great tips today already, but what's something that you think the audience can take action on literally today to help them improve the security of their facility? Definitely. I, I think the first question is to ask, where is the state of your security within your facility, right? Because so many businesses, depending on if we're talking a, a small uh, company that may have 15 to 20 employees versus a company of 100 to 150 or something as large scale as we are here at, at Petco Park, I think it, it changes in size and scope. So for me, uh, it's conducting an assessment of your facility and your operation. And like I say, for some of us, that may be starting at square one. If you're one of those uh, initial companies that says, hey, we really don't have safety and security uh, processes in place, um, I think now's a great time to start thinking about that. I mean, we're in a posture to where in most places you go to some level of temperature screening or, or health questions are being asked for you to even gain access to where on some level we're, we're starting to implement those procedures. Uh, and now's a great time to continue launching it. So if it were me and I was someone that says, hey, I'm at that square one, uh, it's beginning to come up with a, a plan in the case of, hey, this is where we need to begin building our programs. These are policies and procedures we think we need to focus on and then uh, launch that. And then if you're farther in that phase, I would challenge you kind of more that uh, what are elements that you're good at? Conduct that assessment of, hey, we're, we're doing good or okay at this, uh, but we really could take it to another level. And if that's the case, uh, spend your time focusing on what resources uh, and what uh, time, what people, what uh, assignments you're going to give out to your group uh, to help get better at that, whether that's enhancing your emergency management platform whether that's enhancing the knowledge people have of it, just defining first, hey, coming out of this, what are our deliverables? And then not taking off more than you can chew. I think I mentioned the after action uh, process we went through with the Atlanta Hawks earlier. Uh, that was something that we went through of, hey, once you get too much, you got to have that dump truck plan. And the dump truck doesn't mean that that process or that procedure doesn't happen, but it's not happening today. Uh, our bandwidth's been tapped. We've taken it as far as we can. Uh, let's put this on pause and be able to set a future date uh, for that. So for me, it would be conducting assessments. I think we're in a time now where uh, life is ever changing and uh, you have people's attention and you have the ability uh, for change to come in place. And I think there's been so many facilities I've talked to that have said, hey, we were changing some of these things that we've talked about doing forever and we just didn't know how it would be perceived by our guests. But now it makes sense within COVID. So I would say do those assessments, uh, get those projects and those tasks outlined uh, so that you can uh, be begin uh, making ways to, to measure that and, and track your progress. Wow. Well, that, this is great. I mean, you, you shared some tremendous advice. I appreciate it. If people have follow-up questions or just want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Kevin Dooley uh, with the San Diego Padres. And then uh, my email is also kdooley at padres.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks again for taking the time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And to the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. 
We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.